Welcome to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Passano. Airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans. Welcome to the Outer Realm, everybody. It is our Wednesday night segment. We're broadcasting live on United Public Radio Network 105.3 FM from the beautiful city of New Orleans. We are fully sponsored by the amazing folks over at Folgers Coffee who have been on this journey with us since day one. Also, big thank you to Dr. Snick, a.k.a. Justin Snicker, the sonic surgeon, for his sponsorship of his music and his voice for our intro and our outro uh you can find his music pretty much anywhere that good music can be found so check him out tonight we will be welcoming back ryan musgrave evans to the show and tonight's gonna be a little bit different we're gonna be talking about uh spring heel jack dogman skinwalkers other what he calls crypto terrestrials and why they're drawn to the locations that you find them uh, i guess the best example to use in this case would be uh, Skinwalker Ranch. So right. tonight, uh, you'll be able to be on all our usual platforms. I am seeing uh, we are on. Let's start with Facebook. Joe Montaldo, UFO Undercover, Canada's Most Haunted Moi, uh, Outer Realm with Amelia and myself. As you can see, Bubbles is back in the house. Yeah, she is. <laughs> <laughs> News on the flip side, UFO Paranormal United Public Radio. Then we jump over to um, the Outer Realm YouTube page, so Michelle Drush at the Outer Realm, uh, UFO Gods and Extraterrestrials, UFO Paranormal Radio, and I see the chat room is already filling up. Hello, Dolly. Hello, Wayne. Hello, Joshua. Uh, yeah, Adriana. Yeah, so we are Yay. definitely filling up. Um, we're going to start the show before we get into the, the habitual, um, you know, bio waiting for our guests. Uh, every now and then, we have some guests that just really go above and beyond and we love all our guests and, but they get really, really creative <laughs> and Hamilton, <laughs> Hamilton White, who you guys have seen on with Carl Cookson um, from the lost relics of, of the Knights Templar. Um, he's been doing Folgers, his versions of Folgers commercials. So what oh we're going to do gosh. right now is we are going to actually, we're going to play it for you guys. So, Ignore everything else in there. It's just one thing we're looking for, not everything else in the screen. We're not promoting everyone else. Much we're like not promoting is. any of those crisps, chips, or any of that. No, exactly. <laughs> so we're going to hang tight, and we're going to play this right now. Here we go. Guys, have a listen. Or if you're watching. <laughs> I can't hear anything. Oh, for God's sakes. Let me go in and start this over. Okay, right. here we go. Well, here we are at the special request of Michelle and Amelia. 
who want me to do a um, TV internet commercial for Folgers Coffee. Folgers. Um, UK Folgers. Wonders of Folgers Coffee if you're out in the wilderness, which is sort of where I am. I mean, there's trees and stuff, so I mean, that's out in the woods, isn't it? Yeah, definitely out in the woods. Right, okay. Well, here's my tent. This is where I'm staying. Various things in my tent. So if we get in here. Oh, Ignore all that. Just saying. Oh my gosh. <laughs> for, for you people in America or Canada or I don't know that part of the world. Keeping it with I tonight's topic. You, like, Michelle, I ought to read about this thing here. <laughs> Have we had that author on? <laughs> Apparently that's got something to do with <sighs> I don't know, Damn creatures it. that lurk around in the woods. I don't know. I should read that later. I don't I know love how to do that, but something about apes. <laughs> Big but, shout out to that author. This is my tent. This is a very good tent because, uh, as you can see, I've actually installed a bar in it, which is um, one of the essentials if you're out camping. Good choice yeah, in a certain that beverage that I'm looking at. Great plug. Now then. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> UK. Make some Folgers. Coffee. I've got this little device here that I bought in the shop which heats water and also enables you to burn your fingers <laughs> and this thing here that had some water in but i spilt it but not to worry what we can do if we go in here oh my god i have to mute my mic because i'm laughing full juice coffee right little mug here where is it oh here it is now then uh, i'm sure it's very relaxing when you're out in the woods to drink fabulous coffee. So let's uh, let's let's go with it, shall we? Right, this coffee. What do you need? He has a future on TikTok. Coffee beans. <laughs> Does this sound like a Folgers? Beans. Last time that Folgers does isn't bubbly. <laughs> no, exactly. But it's the fact that counts. My gosh, thank you so much. Bit, yeah, before yeah. it gets a little bit, uh, you know, too chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I love the sign. This is this is a part two. So basically, we have other. You know, I'm sure there will be more. I don't have to talk about I, the additional. Well, he's there the for additional. the week, so who knows? Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to just stop the screen. There we go. <laughs> now we're back to normal. Oh, I know. That was amazing. I love that. I know. Sorry, I need like, a haircut. You're so right. Bad. We Hi, love it. Dolly. Now we definitely want Folgers coffee. We do. We want Folgers and non-carbonated, <laughs> non-carbonated. <laughs> Linda, hello. I know. I know there's a lot of stuff in there, but that's what we have to talk about. <laughs> no, that was, that was Hamilton's dinner. Yes, sure. There. Yeah. It was a roast chicken. There we go. That's right. <laughs> oh, it's always a lot of fun. He's always a lot of fun. So, yeah. But, you know, we love the effort that he makes because I don't think anybody's actually done a commercial. Anybody wants to do any little, you know, minute clips of, of, of them drinking Folgers and, and talking about Folgers, send them on in. You never know. You oh, might just absolutely. end up on, on the outer realm in front of a few million people. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. When he messaged me, he says, I'm camping and nobody wants to come with me, but that's okay. And he's on his own. He said, I think I'll just make another Folgers commercial. I said, well, get it in soon so we can play it on the show. I know. And I didn't expect that. He posted like a few minutes product, later. So. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I knew he would probably have something to do with that carbonated beverage. It is carbonated, <laughs> isn't it? I'm just glad he shot the little, the little video before he had too many of the carbonated beverages. Yeah. I don't think he would have been, been able really to manage the, the, the camera. <laughs> if yeah. He had. I, I think in part one, I kind of got, I got, you know, a little bit bullied into sending over. You know, certain, oh, Linda Dillman. Hi, Linda. Cert, I didn't see MG. No. Cups. Two <laughs> you don't making want their way to know. over to England as yeah. we speak. <laughs> you don't want to know what he poured in that cup. Hi, Wayne. Hello, it, everybody. Thank Hello, thank Michelle. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With a big, see, this is a fantastic idea. But I thought the Bigfoot would be kind of nice because it keeps a little bit in what we're talking about tonight. So that's yeah. it. Exactly. Wayne Murphy, Team <laughs> Kemper, North America, our Ooh. newest project. That's right. You guys have to yeah. start standing by and waiting to see what's coming up with that. Yeah, yeah. you heard me. There we go. Yeah. All right. So, Hi, um, Jeannie. Thanks for retweeting. Um, yeah. We're on Twitter. <laughs> I we, know. We we are, we're not airing on it tonight though. No, no, so. no, no. Yeah. But I mean, we're both on Twitter and yep. we, we share things. I just want to put it out there because I closed an account and at 15 K like years ago, because I have a hard time with Twitter as much as I love it. It's a full-time job. And, um, I don't have the kind of time it takes in the dedication to no. stay in those circles, but I'm trying. So if you're listening and you have a Twitter, please come in and follow us and we'll follow you back. And um, this way you can keep up with things during the week and that. But um, and I keep all the um, the archives like our best archives are up there. The ones I can access. But that's another story. But anyways, yeah. So I just thought I'd put it out there because I'm literally like at 70 something. I can't believe I closed that damn account. I should have just left it open. Mm. But if you're on Twitter, please come and see us. Absolutely. Okay, so we are waiting. Ryan will be coming in in a few minutes if we want to go over his yes, quick Yes, I am. Bio. Yes. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I am going to just bring it up because I have it on my yep, screen. Yep. And uh, yep. Ryan has been on our show before. Yep. He is an author who resides in Victoria, Australia, and he is also a teacher and he has a Bachelor of Arts. He's got so many credits. We're, uh, there's so many to um, to list tonight. There's so, there's just too many, but they're on our page, on our group page on Facebook. He is also a private language tutor of Irish and Scots Gaelic and a full-time nurseryman and grafter. Um, he is the author of speculative fiction novels, Dead Stars and Dead Womb of the Grave, available in Amazon. And he is a relief substitute primary elementary teacher and a fluent speaker of Irish and Scottish Gaelic, insatiable preoccupation with comparative linguistics, philosophy, folklore, religious studies, and all research into the paranormal. We welcome back Ryan Musgrave Evans. Hello. Hello. Bubbles went quiet. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I stopped for a second. Sorry. I'm just getting back after six weeks. So it's crazy. How's the weather there? You're uh, heading into oh. the fall? 
that's cold yeah well, it's winter yeah yeah, yeah. well last yeah. time you were on it was yeah. freezing here <laughs> so oh, okay. i feel like well, it's okay <laughs> that's right that's right we're yeah, heading I'm, I'm into re- summer in three weeks and you're heading oh, nice. into winter right yep 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 it's uh raining cold we we have fairly moderate uh weather here in this part of australia anyway it never gets yeah. really really hot and it never gets really really cold but at the moment it's as cold as it gets basically yeah that's yeah. not bad wow yeah i like the cold yeah. Do yeah, you? Yeah, I like the fall. I like the fall a lot. That's my favorite time of year. You're always comfortable when yeah, you're outside. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, and I love autumn leaves. And in Australia, you know, uh, deciduous trees aren't native to Australia, really, or at least I don't think there are many that are. But uh, we've still got heaps and heaps of you know uh, introduced species. So Australia is full, especially around cities and built-up areas, full of you know North American and European deciduous trees, oaks, elm, beech, asp, and things like that. So it's lovely this time of year. I really love it. Yeah. Very oh, good. Well, Thanks. we appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us. And Thanks so uh, much for having me back. Good yeah. Oh, our it's pleasure. our pleasure. Are you kidding? Yeah, you, you have some interesting things to talk about. Where would you like to start this time around? I know we bounced some ideas around. Um, and I said, you know, I said, okay, well, we'll just, we'll just let you take it, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep up. Ah, cool. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. Sounds good. Okay, All right. Brace yourselves. Um, no. Um, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll quickly just, uh, I'll just quickly say who I am again, just in case people. Yes, please. You know, I mean, just, I mean, I'm, I'm Ryan. I mean, you did a bit of an intro for me anyway, but I'm 43 yes. year old Australian. I've, um been experiencing what people might call high strangeness all my life but particularly in the last 10 or so years it's really amped up um and the the people the beings that um have interacted with me visited me abducted me all of my life call themselves the Majina. um and i wrote a book that's primarily an investigation into their presence here uh, through folklore um, as elves and fairies, uh, where they're interpreted through those lenses in old times. And then nowadays, they're usually considered to be something like ETs or aliens. But um, their masks have sort of changed. Um, they're indigenous to this planet, although their history is, you know, uh, quite complicated. Um, but um, yeah, and uh, I've, I've, it's become my passion to investigate them now. So I've just been bitten by the bug of becoming an absolute ufology and supernatural nerd. Um, and um, I really can't stop. I'm just learning and learning all the time. But but the, my most, my real focus is to locate them in the literature, in ancient literature, and then up until modern times and modern cases of abduction and, and uh, close encounter phenomena and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, but um, maybe I could quickly go into talking about something that I was going to talk about last time, but we, I don't think we had time. Anything um, you'd like. Yeah, which was, um, <laughs> you, you were, some of your audience might be familiar with um, the legend of Spring-Hilled Jack. Yes, Spring-Hilled I am. Jack was, as well, yeah. Was um, this creature or phenomenon and a character, a person, a, a supernatural entity that um, haunted England in the 1800s and, and made a real nuisance of himself and scared some of the stuff was you know fairly um innocuous like he'd scare people and things like that but some of the claims are quite um terrible where he's apparent there are allegedly 
just being picked up a woman once and threw her off a bridge. Um, and so it, it, it's, there's a continuum of really, really sort of innocuous stuff to, to malignant stuff. But um, the, the reason that I was particularly interested in this character who started making an appearance around 1837 um, in London um, and sort of tailed off by the early um, 1900s is his appearance and his behaviour. Now, the beings called the Majina, sometimes when I've seen them and interacted with them, they wear skin-tight dark suits. Now, sometimes they'll wear cloaks with these as well. Glowing red eyes at night, prosthetic claws on their fingers, um, a, a kind of a technology on their chest, um, and, and also the apparent ability to defy gravity, to levitate, is, is amongst... Um, some of the, the characteristics of this high-end technology suit, which is like mm. a, a soldier suit, like a, like, a, like a super soldier suit that gives them lots of other powers as well, super strength, speed, intangibility, so they can pass through solid objects. Mm -hmm. But with the, um, but the but, uh, Spring-Heeled Jack was described by people as, where, as being tall and lean and gaunt, which is also a factor with the, the Majina. Um, Skin-tight suit, a cloak, glowing red eyes, uh, metallic claws, and the ability to leap over coaches and hedges and up 20 foot high onto buildings in a single bound and things like this. Mm -hmm. So this is, um, so when I first found out about this guy, this, this being, I was just intrigued because I was thinking perhaps this is uh, an example of a boa suit being seen um, in England in those times. Now, right. If it is the Mudgina, I'm terribly embarrassed because they they were misbehaving something chronic. But um, apparently as well that they were impervious to bullets where um, this this guy, if it was just one, maybe it was several individuals. If this is all true, of course, this is a, a narrative, a story, but mm. um, it strikes me as perhaps uh, uh, having a, a ring of truth to it. Um, there was an army barracks at um, Aldershot in Surrey um, at the time that had... 10,000 troops stationed at it at any given time, this huge army barracks, where Spring-Heeled Jack would go in and scare the soldiers and run his hand over their face while they were sleeping. And, and they'd take shots at him and they couldn't kill him. And he'd leap around and escape. And, um, so this, this interesting and, and bizarre character um, may possibly also, legend has it, have given rise to the Batman character uh, created by Bob Kane in comics, because um, now, now Bob Kane himself never claimed to have been influenced by this idea. But um, uh, around about 1903, I think it was, was the last known case where someone claimed to have had interaction with this spring-heeled Jack. And then it all sort of, uh, I think Penny Dreadfuls, those those old comics and things like that. Uh, they'd write a lot of stories about him and the 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 gossip and the narrative around him sort of went from him being a villain to maybe being a kind of benevolent superhero, maybe an aristocrat that had um, a cave um, as, a, as a bit of a hermit. This is just sort of like the stories that developed over time about him, where he sort of made a metamorphosis into maybe being something like a superhero, an aristocrat with a lot of money that um, would creep out at night from his cave to fight crime. And... Some people have suggested that um, that Bob Kane may have been influenced by this. Now you've got, you know, billionaire Bruce Wayne, 
It's right. debatable, debatable whether Bruce Wayne's a good guy or a bad guy. I remember right. when I was a kid, my dad always used to say to me, you know, Batman's a bad guy. He's there to maintain wealth disparity. He's right. protecting the rich from the poor and all this. So when I was a little kid, I was like, okay, so maybe Batman's bad. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but uh, the idea that there's also, there's this tension between spring Hill Jack perhaps being evil or perhaps being a good guy is interesting. And um, it, gives, it, it tickles me to think there's a possibility that, just a possibility, it's just conjecture, but that we have the comic book character in the film, the movie character of Batman, in some kind of roundabout way due to Mudjina influence in England uh, in the mm. 1800s. Mm. But, yeah. uh, but, but there you go. So that's been fascinating me for a little bit. So I'll end, <laughs> I'll end that rant there and we can continue to something else if you like. I love Batman, yeah. Linda. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll just put up comments I, every now and then. So. Especially when Bale played him. Like I don't, I feel like there was never a character like that. I'm just saying. Mm. Yeah, I, I love Batman. His version. Yeah, Christian Bale's version. Christian Bale was the for me the ultimate and the epitome of all Batman's, and I can't watch the new movie. Sorry, Robert Pattinson, you're still Edward to me in Twilight. So <laughs> I haven't seen hard. that one yet. Yeah, I have no interest in it. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's been typecast as. I mean, people maybe can't watch Batman with that guy in it and not see him as that brooding, pouting vampire. So, right? Yeah. It's really mm. tough, but yet he's done a lot of films where he's amazing and he you don't see that. He's a really great actor, but I even, it took me a little bit of time to warm up to Ben Affleck, but the new, the remake of Justice League, I don't know if you've seen it. It's very dark, film noir, very, very cinematic. If you get an opportunity oh, yeah. to watch it, watch it. I know it's slow moving, but from the cinematic side, it is unbelievable and worth That's, the time. I haven't seen that one yet. The Snyder Cut, it's called. Yeah, yes. I've, I've really it's got to get around so to watching it. so good, that. Ryan. Yeah, you're going to need four hours, and it goes slow the first couple hours, and then it flies. But it's unbelievably really well done. But you have to look at it in an art point of view. You can't perspective. You can't watch it and expect to see the Justice League like you did. But it's almost like they're showing you behind the scenes. Oh, but anyways, cool, yeah. now that I took you off, the other Batman, uh, the other, the Justice League one, I didn't really enjoy that. So that'd be nice no, to see a version. This one, then you'll yeah. really enjoy this one because it gives a perspective from outside of everything and it's dark. I love it. Yeah, cool. I, yeah. It was Michael Keaton's Batman that really introduced me to Batman when I was a kid, that old yeah. one with Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Yes. Um, Danny DeVito as Penguin. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was Batman Returns, the second, yes. yeah, with Michael Keaton too, yeah. So Michael Keaton is sort of like an unusual choice for Batman, but I think he sort of pulled it off, you know. Um, yeah. But, but still, anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, so um, what, what else do you want to talk about? Uh, well, <laughs> well, that's up to you. Uh, we, we talked about what I'd like to touch up on a little bit is your, we, we talked a little bit about, I mean, here we call them dogmen. Uh, wolf people, wolves. We talked about different um, cryptids, you know, Bigfoot, um, skinwalkers. You know, in your opinion, with your research, you know, what what are they? Um, are they interdimensional, dimensional? Are they extraterrestrial? You're saying that they're more based here, crypto-terrestrial. And why do they choose specific locations? And again, I'll use the example 
of skinwalkers in Skinwalker Ranch, which is an anomaly in its own, its own right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, the, the idea of, I think, of werewolves um, and dogmen, in my opinion, now, there may be such a thing as werewolves and dogmen in some other sense. I'm not sure. But right. in my opinion, at least a lot of, of um, the lore about dogmen um, that's developed over the ages and werewolves has come from people witnessing uh, Majina in boa suits in particular. Um, part of their like their cryptolect or their camouflage language as well that that uh, the Majina use is mimicking wildlife right. and they have they have barking and growling language they also have twittering bird-like songs they also have sounds that are more like monkeys and foxes and things like that depending on where they are and you know it's it's to fly mm -hmm. under the radar really to to so that they can be having interactions with each other and if you hear a if you're out in the forest and you hear a distinctively human voice of course your ears crop up but if you're out in the forest and you hear, you know, growling or mm. twittering birds and things like that, it just blends into the background. So, um, right. but um, yeah, growling, um, dark beings um, moving at really high speed and galloping on all fours, which is another feature of theirs. Their arms, mm -hmm. relative to their rest of their anatomy, is lo are longer than ours, and it comes more naturally to them to to uh, gallop on all fours. Their mm -hmm. children, in particular do it but sometimes the adults do it as well and they wear prosthetic claws for defense um as well so barking if you've got this creature running at you with glowing red eyes barking and growling with claws um people are going to associate it with a dog of course they're going to think wolfman uh and whatnot also they have a capacity to with their telepath technology and their helmets to um uh cast a kind of a glamour on you to instill in your mind false understandings about what they are and their appearance they can change their appearance by warping your idea of what they are in your mind without actually them physically necessarily wanting to so we're the all. ones that are they're leading us to believe we're seeing a certain image that's not really what they are they can do that especially and they can also feed on your own beliefs and expectations as to what you're going to see or what you want to see um so um, the idea that they could even make you see them even look even more dog-like than they actually are is is a possibility mm -hmm. as well. Not that I'm sure why they'd want to do that to you and scare you like that, but still. Um, so whether or not there are actually dogmen out there and 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 werewolves and things like that's another thing again. But I think these guys, a lot of the time, it's their suits. Now, having said that, there's also a, a, a factor in all of this, and you especially have it as you said, Michelle, at Skinwalker Ranch, but it lots of different places um, throughout the US and also in Australia, especially like ranches and farms and things like that, especially places that are bo bordering on wilderness areas, mm. state parks, national parks, where you will have people seeing giant wolves the size of small horses or like dire giant, wolves, that sort of thing. Dire wolves, yeah. yeah. And giant, other kinds of giant canid-like creatures with the big bushy tails that look like some kind of megafauna that should have died out millions of years ago mm -hmm. or giant hominids um, mm -hmm. that really, according to, you know, established science should not exist at all. Um, but, but then we have ideas, of course, of Sasquatch and Bigfoot and yeah. um, whatnot. But, and again, that doesn't necessarily mean that Sasquatch and Bigfoot don't exist as societal creatures somewhere on the edge of our world. But there is this element where there's this overlap with 
what I'm calling crypto terrestrials or the Mudjina hidden earthlings, these these people, and these strange kind of monstrous beings that seem to be physical and tangible. They can attack cattle. They can rip up fences. They leave footprints. Um, they could even be shot and have pieces of themselves being blown out the back, like famously the dire wolf in the crypto uh, in the um, case of Skinwalker Ranch, where the rancher was actually shooting it and it had no pain response. Hmm. So it didn't seem to. Um, and then just trot it off. And then they follow these creatures and quite often, you know, they'll go around a, a copse of trees and, and the prints will stop like they've been beamed up, Scotty. You know, they just disappeared. Um, so I've, I've been calling these creatures transient life forms, TLFs, because they seem to be transient or transitory in that they don't really have some kind of established true essence of being, almost like they're tools, almost like, like they're productions, almost like they're maybe biological um, creations, robots, perhaps made out of DNA of some kind. Mm. Um, of genuine creatures that existed once, of direwolves or some other kinds of canids or hominids that once were, that are no more, but that they have, but this is conjecture, you know, I'm just, uh, this is my theory about what these, some of these beings might be, but that they're being, that the crypto terrestrials, the people use them as guards, mm. as guard dogs to, uh, over the top of their subterranean habitations to keep people away. Um, to scare you, and they deliberately choose animals that are monstrous to us, that would scare us, which means they don't have to come up themselves to keep people away necessarily. They can let these creatures do it. Um, and in the sense of the skin, the famous Skinwalker Ranch case, um, you know, written about by um, Colin Callagher and George Knapp, um, and then the documentary made by Jeremy Corbell and whatnot, um, it seems to me that the, the motive of the beings in that case, the crypto-terrestrials, was to get rid of that family. It was psychological warfare. They were not welcome. Um, mm. Probably for multiple reasons, the crypto-terrestrials had deigned them to be inappropriate. They had dogs, they had guns, they're dangerous to their children. They were trying to move Even the them indigenous along. of the area were, were terrified and they wouldn't even speak of skinwalkers on average. And they, even, they had very healthy respect for it. It just seems like Skinwalker Ranch and other properties along that whole mesa seem to have very unusual things going on there, ranging from extraterrestrial. Um, and um, yeah, Linda, there there are portals. Um, there, there's just a lot of really rare things going on that you just don't seem to see all that, like oh, a mix of everything in in one place, yeah. like Robert Bigelow, when they were doing a lot of their experiment science experiments, whatever it is that they found, you know, all of a sudden it's like, no, we're, we're done here. And I know now it's ongoing with a whole new set of scientists and people and, and they're coming up with spectacular things. No one seems to have captured uh, many, like any cryptids at this point though. Like it's right, just right. very, very extraterrestrial base or UFO base and anomalies with the property itself with high levels of EMF and magnetics and things like that. So, yeah, yeah. you know, are All you guys. dealing with, yeah. So if you're dealing with like, like what's a skinwalker? I mean, there, if there are portals there, cause there's high levels of paranormal activity as well. Is it, you know, are they just coming in and out? Are they, 
based here? Are they based elsewhere? Like, what's well, your in, thought in, on that? In with Skinwalker Ranch, definitely there is a habitation under there of crypto terrestrials, Mudjana probably, and then there's another kind called Sabetjana, which are small, dark, brown beings with claws that mm -hmm. um have big dark eyes, but more normally you'll see them with a helmet on that has pointy ears. Wow. Um, and they're about four foot tall. Um, they, these beings, they live underground, flesh and blood beings related to us. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I call them sister species, but maybe it's more accurate to call them a daughter species because they have this affiliation with us where they're kind of a future version of us in one way. But, um, right. uh, but as for portals and things like that, the Mudjina have what, is, what they call Agaling, which is the black star, which is a place that is beyond duality, that is neither this nor that, that it's a world of potential before it's actualized. And they can manipulate these this plane so that they can duck into it and appear anywhere they like, basically, or pretty much anywhere they like. Um, and portals, they can move in and out, yeah. So they can travel from one end of the earth to the other. Well, they've, they've got a triangle also in there that things happen. Oh, okay, so, is this on the um the the documentary? I haven't been keeping up to. Uh, it's it's definitely the, uh, they've discovered the, the it. Walker documentaries. Yeah, they've discovered it during the research that they're currently doing with the series. Um, okay. Just with experiments that they've done, and there just seems to be this this triangle area. Okay, right, right. That's on the property that and covers yep. the property or. Yep. That's interesting. Triangular. Hmm. I know. Is that, yeah, there, isn't, well, there isn't anything that's not there. That's the whole thing. It's like the entire field uh, yeah. of paranormal is on those, you know, that acreage. It's like, what the hell is going on yeah, here? Yeah. There's a sister case in Colo Colorado, I think, the Colorado Ranch. I can't remember the name of the ranch. Really? There, um, yeah, for a long, long time. Timothy Good wrote about it in one of his books and pe different people have been talking about it for years, but it, it has a list of identical phenomena to Skinwalker Ranch. I, I think I know the one you're talking about. It's called, um, Star is it Stardust? The Stardust Ranch? Oh, not Stardust. I think I've forgotten the lady's name, but the head of MUFON in Colorado grew up there. Right. Uh, like a lot of extraterrestrials and stuff like that are there all the time, right? Yeah. <laughs> As well. He, and uh, and you know disembodied voices, um, Bigfoot, other kinds of cryptids, yeah. poltergeist activity, portals opening and closing, and um, in that case, the rancher uh, years and years ago met the beings responsible. So I, I put this in my book, uh, in my first book. I've got I talk about a bit about this, but in that Colorado ranch case, it, it's actually, actually called. Sorry, Ryan, it's actually called yeah. Colorado Ranch. Oh, okay, so it's a different, another okay. one all It's together. actually called Colorado Ranch. You had it right. Okay, so that's okay, cool. that's a whole and, other, there's another one. There could one be then. another one, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they, and he met the beings responsible, the beings behind it, where he actually felt compelled, I think, to walk to a certain hill. And he met uh, two people, thin people uh, with helmets on their heads, with skin-tight suits that were changing colour. Um, big blue eyes, blonde hair. So this is the typical Mudjana. He mm -hmm. said they were only five foot six, so that's not very tall for a Mudjana or a tall white, but they take a long time to grow. So a Mudjana that's five foot six is probably going to be about 80 years old anyway, 70 or 80 years. 
And then by the time they get to 100, they're about six foot. They keep growing. They end up being nine to 10 foot tall once they get to really oh. advanced ages, like seven or 800 years. But he actually met them and they said to him, we're going to allow you to remember this. Hmm. We don't really want you here. This isn't really working out for us, is it? We're going to have to come to some other kind of agreement. And, he, mm. and they let him remember and he wandered off. But there's a, an example of a rancher in one of these situations where there's, you know, a plethora of different kinds of high strangeness that normally we wouldn't associate with each other. And then he actually got to meet the dudes behind it. And it's these guys. It's these chalk white, when you actually see them without any suits on, when they're letting you remember mm. what they look like. Right. They um, it's 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 these people. Um, for the most part, most of the time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the beings that Charles Hall called tall whites that he wrote about in the Millennial Hospitality books. Um, even though we presume them to be aliens and not have an evolutionary connection to Earth, they actually do. They're a, they're indigenous to this planet and they've returned to um, bolster their failing, unraveling genomes because they're not the healthiest. But uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so what what is your thought then on on like again? Well, let's just let's just backtrack to Skinwalker Ranch quickly because what is what is a Skinwalker? We know what the indigenous lore is, and because well, it, it seems to have that wolf that wolf tendency as well. Do you it feel is, that it it's... is one of the, it is one of them? It's it's a mud they're mudgener. That's in my opinion. Right. That, that's just them. Uh, it's another um, uh, cultural interpretation of the same race that is responsible for most of our mythologies and folklores and it's given rise, in my opinion, to a lot of our religious beliefs over the years um, mm-hmm. because they were all present um, in the ancient Middle and Near East in ancient times in Mesopotamia and Egypt, fueling mm-hmm. a lot of our later religious systems that are based on these older religious systems and things like that not necessarily deliberately i'm not necessarily saying that they are you know through some kind of you know um social engineering making us like making religions for us and all that kind of stuff but just that them being an empirical reality a presence that sometimes impinges on our world we Mm. as humans that are storytelling creatures try to fill in the blanks and we say, what is this? Is this some kind of God? And then we make up story, backstories to how that relates to our worldview, already established worldview and blah, blah, blah. But they, yeah, and it, and so so skinwalkers, in my opinion, are just another facet, a cultural interpretation by um, the the Utes, was it, um, in Utah? When they were interacting the, the with Machina. Yeah. yeah. Um, that they would be interacting with the, these underground people that would come out, would cast glamours on them, change their shape, or make them think that they had changed their shape, run around on all fours barking and growling. Um, and uh, what, one of the, one of the um, handy little elements of uh, the telepath technology that the Majina use is to be able to instill irrational fear into a person if they decide that they're a threat. And so this kind of response that you get in these cases of high strangeness where people are out in the forest and suddenly Mm. they just feel a bit weird and they have 
a baseless fear sort of grips them. Um, and then they might start walking away and then it will just pass. And if they go back to that same spot, it will be back again. This is something that they use. It takes them years and years. They start training from when they're kids to use this telepath tech to manipulate mm. the minds of homo sapiens, to instill fear in us, or the opposite, to instill feelings of love and acceptance. Mm -hmm. If they think that that is a better angle to remove you as a threat, depending on what mm. kind of personality you are. You are. But, um, but um, yeah, so in cases of Skinwalker Ranch, you know, the, the, the family at Skinwalker Ranch explained experiencing that kind of stuff. They, they mm. saw the Mudjana there as well. You know, the, one of the craft that the Mudjana use like I said before, in the Colorado Ranch case, the guy met the Mudjana. But in the Skinwalker Ranch case, they saw the Mudjana anyway because they saw their craft, uh, not only the big black triangles um, and boomerangs and, and whatnot, but the small white craft that are sometimes called RVs, or I, I think it's probably the same thing that people would say Tic Tacs nowadays. Um, yeah. And they mm -hmm. can be quite small, the size of a car, larger the size of an RV or bus, larger again and look like, and these are they're white normally or, or pale gray they can be as the size more like a train carriage like a or a diesel engine mm -hmm. um with, with a series of windows along the side passenger transport um but at skinwalker ranch they saw these things floating around the property and tried to give chase and they'd lift up and go over hedges and things like that and the wife actually saw um one parked um out in the field and the door was open, the light was on inside, and a guy walked out and he was a giant dressed in tight black outfit with a visor, which is um, something that the Mudjana sometimes wear. And in my book I wrote, I show that there are, there's another case where the tall, fair beings with blue eyes apparently have been seen wearing these visors as well. But, um, and, that, and in that case, in the Skinwalker Ranch case, they left huge footprints. So the next day when the husband and wife went to check where the craft had been seen, these giant footprints dirty big feet which, which of course someone that's eight foot tall is going to have you know um but uh yeah it's definitely a skinwalker ranch case is definitely them crypto terrestrials the mudgina um mm. and uh you know so do i don't want to, i don't want to be sort of like um you know sometimes i sort of i get myself in trouble sometimes with people that are interested in paranormal stuff because they say oh you just say everything's the mudgina you know it's pretty uh mm. Argue come yeah. on come on you know in yeah. my opinion most stuff is you know probably right. probably right. not all stuff but but most well is there any being like like let's let's go with vampires for example this question this question's for you with respect to that because there's a lot of theories with that he says i have a question for ryan with respect to vampires i think this is a two-parter first of all do you have stories of vampires in your country and secondly do you feel that perhaps they are extraterrestrial in nature which is something some people do think. Uh, well, again, I know that I'm very predictable, but I think a lot of the Mudjana presence has given rise to vampiric law, especially when you're talking about tall, pale, gaunt beings in hooded robes levitating and shooting across mm. the fields, and, and especially like their hands are really long. They have four really, really long things, like half as long as our fingers again their fingers are with a small vestigial thumb that's only about half as long as our thumb though. but um these these long hands um skeletal looking um in in australia uh i'm not quite sure about indigenous ideas in australia about vampires and whether 
I, I'd imagine there would be. Actually, yeah, there there are actually. Um, I've forgotten what they're called though. In some of the uh, nations, the countries um, uh, in uh, Queensland, I think I was reading, has something like that. But where they had these dark beings that would come out of the earth and would drink Ew. people's blood and or eat people and things like this as part of the dream, their um, uh, dream law. Um, but the dreaming. Um, but uh, I, I don't know much about that. Mm. Um, now, and when it comes to vampiric law, not that I know that much about it, but with European vampiric law, I think nowadays there's a much stronger line between vampires and zombies. But I remember in the past when I'd been interested in researching vampires that in ancient European law, vampires and zombies were kind of the same thing. They were just mm. revenants. And people right. would, some of the descriptions of vampires bursting out of graves and stuff like that sound to us now sort of more like zombies or decayed. And um, and, the, and the notion of sort of like a tall, aristocratic, aristocratic, pale, handsome, sexy vampire guy or something like that is sort mm -hmm. of more of an invention of um, like uh, the, the 1800s or something like that. Um, but there's but, definitely uh, a lot of stories. You know, look at the Count St. Germain, for example, who spent a lot of time in, oh, in yeah. New Orleans, right? From Europe yeah. and Paris. And and had, I mean, he, I think the last sighting of him was like in the, like the 1970s or something crazy like that. And yet there was like, you know, paintings with him. There were eyewitness accounts of what they, you know, like what they said he looked like back into the 1600s, 1700s. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know, like that's, that's, you know, one prime yeah, example. So you, you tend to think like, are they, you know, extraterrestrial or just like dimensional? Yeah, yeah that's, a, that, I remember being interested in Count St. Germain a long, long time ago and, and learning a bit about him. Um, yeah, that's, that's just such an interesting case, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, if you more. think about it, it's just like there, he's either, he's got to either be, traveling back and forth like time traveling or he's got to be it's got to be a shapeshifter or it's got to be um you know extraterrestrial it's got these really long lifespans who just kind of keep popping in or you know we yeah. we just don't have that we know of the capability to have that kind of a lifespan no that's right that's uh yeah and there were yeah. people that were still alive that could vouch for him as being the same person sometimes wasn't there as well where where people that had known him when they were a kid in one yeah. context, many, many years later, they were like octogenarians or something and would say, that's definitely the same dude, hasn't mm. aged. Oh, yeah. Yeah, time, time travel is an interesting idea with that. I hadn't thought of that one. Um, maybe, mm. maybe that's him. Yeah. That theory pops up a lot more now. <laughs> we're a little yeah, bit well, more open it, about it. It does, yeah. you know. Yeah, it does. You start to, to wonder even about shadows. We were talking about that with the guests. Yeah. Are the shadows shadows or are they time travelers i believe it was mike ricksicker right yeah mike ricksicker yeah. thought that too yeah. yeah do you want me to yeah, you can see it i wasn't sure if you could i can see yeah i've got my glasses <laughs> i am just coming back from six weeks of being yes, sick ryan so, see, I'm, so sorry. <laughs> I'm just i'm out of i'm out of uh i feel okay. like i'm coming for the first day of school um, Linda Dillman asks, do you think the paranormal or aliens have infiltrated our governments 
or are they just <sighs> greedy humans? Loaded question. Wow. Yeah. I miss uh, Linda. <laughs> I'm glad she's back. <laughs> I think, uh, well, I, I think that the powers that be, that whatever you want to call them, like the shadow government or the, you know, the power structure that's behind elected officials and elected governments, I do believe there are these entities, you know, these groups that of, you know, the, the top 1% of the 1% that own most of the wealth and that kind of stuff that are making all the decisions behind closed doors. I think they, in my opinion, are frightened of the crypto terrestrial presence and sometimes take into consideration what the crypto terrestrials are doing and how they're behaving to dictate what kind of course of action I'm going to take. Mm. Um, but I don't know whether, you know, the idea of, you know, crypto terrestrials controlling the government and actually like telling them what to do and this, that and that. I don't necessarily think it's like that, but I do think that sometimes these uber powerful people are influenced by the crypto terrestrials if the crypto terrestrials bother to make it known what their opinion is about certain things. Mm -hmm. And I and I'm very I'm very certain that um the time has run out uh, when it comes to um you know environmental issues with this planet. Not just global mm -hmm. warming, you know, lots of people say global warming's not climate us, it's a natural change, cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, climate change now. But if climate change is natural and it's not to do with us, that's still a moot point really anyway because we are responsible for destroying so much of the environment, destroying species, really messing up our planet's biosphere in lots of different ways otherwise anyway. Um, and that it's, it's, it's a really weird thing to me that certain powerful people in the world now are very much on board the... Um, the push for new technologies to get us off fossil fuels, something which just not too long ago in the past, they would never have been. You know, mm -hmm. fossil fuel industry is just making powerful people too much money. But all of a sudden, they're playing to a different tune, a lot of these powerful people. And they're like, hold on a, hold on a second. If the boat goes down, we're going with it, you know, and it looks <laughs> like yeah. they're, they're starting to sort of play along those lines there is a distinct possibility that they've been influenced by the crypto terrestrials because the mm. crypto terrestrials are here now again, living in our earth and they do not want our biosphere to be damaged. They want to return it to something of an earlier pre-industrial human stage in that respect. Um, and, and they don't have a sense of humor about it, you know, like, so, so mm. in that respect, sometimes I think maybe, the crypto terrestrials have an influence on world politics, geopolitics, and things like that. Mm, I agree. I agree. Um, just putting up comments here. Yeah. Um, so Amelia, do you want to catch it? Or Sure. Dolly Saffron yeah. says, we are responsible for destroying ourselves mentally, physically, and spiritually. And this one yeah, here. I agree. R.A. and Horace are related. Yeah. Or is raw, sorry. Yeah. I don't know much about this. I'm learning. Yeah. <laughs> Birdmen or dogmen, they were worshipped in Egypt. I do know what that figure looks like, though. Dolly, you'd be impressed. <laughs> I've been watching yeah, yeah. all I, that I think, ancient um, stuff. Yeah. I think some of the old religious systems from the Middle East and from ancient Egypt and stuff were inspired by the crypto terrestrials. Um, but yeah. uh, to what extent, I'm not sure. You know, but it's like sense. anything, everything is the ancients revered, you know, even different figures like that, that we have been taught 
now yeah. are, are evil and don't acknowledge. And, you know, we've been given a whole other set of values to, to live by. Mm. Uh, I get they this also tomorrow's. didn't have a government then. Just saying. Mm. Tamara, (laughs) the descriptions, yeah, the descriptions of crypto terrestrials sounds very much like the descriptions of the jinn as they can appear to be dog shadows, different elements. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They're tricksters. Yeah. Yeah, The jinn, the jinn, uh, virtually like you read about the jinn and they, they are identical to the Celtic fairy faith idea of fairies and elves. Some mm-hmm. fairies with little ladies with wings and elves like Santa's helpers at the North Pole, but older ideas like in Gaelic what you call Nashikin, mm-hmm. um, that uh, they're, they're almost identical. The the Arabic ideas about what jinn are and what and the Gaelic ideas about what fairies and elves were. And yes, I am very very sure that the jinn are the crypto terrestrials. That this is the same. The same the idea. Same to say just cultural understandings, interpretations of of a flesh and blood, highly sophisticated, advanced race. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though they are flesh and blood and just as physical as we are, they nonetheless have advanced technologies that are so robust that they can, uh, you know, travel through portals. Mm-hmm. They can move to different di- uh, dimensional realities, different timelines, different worlds. But they that 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 they are able to do this by way of nuts and bolts technologies which sort of sounds like a contradiction but mm-hmm. these ideas of physical and spiritual or material and non-material that those dichotomies really start to break down when you've got a group of people that have a sophistication that's just so advanced that it's difficult for us to cognize to 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 conceptualize you know mm-hmm. um, yes Michael yeah. Kennedy says, I think it is very telling that Bob Bigelow spent so much of his own money studying what's going on at Skinwalker and now is mm. putting all of his money towards consciousness studies and the afterlife. Ah, so very good point, find? Michael. Yeah, yeah, what did he find there? I haven't yeah. seen all of those shows. He shut down, like, just, you know, okay, we're done here. And then all of a sudden... That is, yeah, that's yeah. right. Is it that's fear that. or is it enlightenment? It'd be interesting to see which one of those two caused him to do that yeah that's right yeah he's um he they were using a fair bit of money from the pentagon as well they were being financed you know um uh colin callaher speaks volumes right colin callaher and uh george knapp um their more recent book um skinwalkers at the pentagon Uh uh, it's an interesting book it's a little bit dry because it goes into sort of the bureaucracy of it all but it, but it turns out that um, the National Institute for Discovery Science, NIDS, uh, was being financed. Uh, I think it wasn't a huge amount of money in the grand scheme of things. I think they were allotted like $5 million mm-hmm. to, for, this, for Skinwalker Ranch um, That's a and lot other, related, the Pentagon. other mm-hmm. related areas. Why was the like, Pentagon so interested? Sorry, Ryan. I know it's... Uh, well, that's that's a good question, isn't it? I mean, I suppose that it's, they see that there's something is some they're never going to tell you, <laughs> right? So. Yeah, and there's a possibility as well. You know, I mean, a lot of people in the Pentagon presumably know all about this kind of thing anyway. Mm-hmm. But whereas NIDs, I'd imagine, are curious, a curious bunch of scientists that are nerds about the paranormal, but they are ignorant in the sense that they're not in on the joke. They're they're not they. They don't know what's going on and they're trying to find out 
and so they're applying for money and they're doing all this kind of stuff mm. but the thing is is that there's people in the pentagon that already know the answer to all of these things mm -hmm. you know and of course yeah. there's people in the american government that that know Absolutely. it all but it's just not out so the idea that yes some people in the pentagon they already know this <laughs> but then now they're going to finance a group to investigate something that they already know um you no know, which suggests perhaps there's a possibility that um a scenario where they're going to pretend that we can all now find out together if they if, if you know if groups like nids are financed by the pentagon and they can work stuff out and find stuff out then there's plausible deniability and people in the pentagon that already knew a lot of this stuff can just say oh wow that's cool what you've worked out we're just hearing about it for the first time too yeah Yay, you know and then they can pretend that they never knew because that's where they get in trouble mm -hmm. where they have to admit that for the past 80 years they've already known about all this stuff um but yeah anyway mm -hmm. yeah 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 there you go mm. oh the uh, math man yeah. Um, yeah. Levels. Ken Kieser. Yeah. Hi, Ken. Ryan, comments or insight into the Mothman prophecies? Well, again, I am very predictable. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Moth, Mothman uh, um, is a cultural interpretation of these Boa suits. So, that, so mili the military suits that the soldiers and guards wear um, for these Mudjina group. Uh, the book, the book I wrote has it on the cover, but I know that this is going to be audio to a lot of people, isn't it? But I'll put this up anyway. But um, yeah. if people look at on Amazon and look for my book, Children Over Ryan, just to see the front cover at least, um, that's a that's a good uh, rendition of, of what they look like. That was done by Mark Randall, who's a very cool dude, by the way, did the artwork for the book, American artist. Um, uh, sometimes they wear cloaks as well with, Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert Dr. Heath Avey. Season 1 relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's the mysteriousjapan.com. This this gear that they wear, when they levitate, they start to blur over. They become sort of blurry and almost look like they're furry. And then they can levitate. Um, but um, and then usually though they don't wear a cloak. Um, and they have a long nose-like appendage, which is to use that comes up over the top of the helmet, um, which is for resonating and amplifying sounds so that they can produce these massively powerful roaring sounds and hoots <laughs> and things like that to travel over long distances. Uh, and they also have a breathing device to keep out. Um, uh, they can breathe our atmosphere, but the breathing device is for um, allergens. 
for dust and, and, and mites and pollen and things like that. They can be, in constitution, they can be quite sickly. They take a long time to heal. Um, they are allergic to a lot of things that we don't even, that we aren't allergic to or most of us aren't. Um, but uh, when you see them, and I have seen them a few times, it's Mothman basically, but it's a suit. Uh, highly sophisticated technologies. They can become invisible in them, can pass through solid walls. This and then, so a lot of at least a lot of the John Keel stuff uh, was related to the cryptoterrestrials. But uh, I have a feeling that there's other elements in the Mothman pro prophecies that's non-cryptoterrestrial. <laughs> now this is a thing as well um, that happens, I think, in, with a lot of people that that investigate the paranormal and become well known that counterintelligence initiatives launched by the powers that be that want to keep these things secret try to muddy the waters and i've got a feeling that john keel was being subjected to as well as genuine crypto terrestrial interaction um counterintelligence measures of a big mm. way to try and confuse him to baffle him um uh it's my opinion as well that you know there's a there's a cool series i recommend people watch it called hallier um, if, if your audience hasn't seen it before, it's free on YouTube. A uh, bunch of ghost hunters got called out to Eastern Kentucky um, where there were reports of pale kids ch chirping children coming up out of mines and tapping on windows and things. But they launched investigation. I think there's a couple of series of that. I don't think there's a third That's one. That's crazy. Yet. Yeah. But, it's, but like, is but it similar to the black-eyed children? Like just Because uh, they, 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 they do that story. too. I don't know where they okay. come from. I don't think no one does. It, but they go up to the windows and doors and yeah. Okay, yeah. And they yeah, wait yeah. for an invitation. Wiggy little things. They are wiggy. <laughs> With the Hallier investigation, it's like I, I, in my opinion, after watching the two seasons that exist, the first season, in my opinion, is more interesting because in the second series, I feel personally that the group of ghost hunters. Um, were subjected to some kind of counterintelligence. That after they'd made the first season, people in the know found out about them. When they made the second season, there was a hand of disinformation being involved in it. That's just my opinion. But people, I really recommend people should watch um, that. It's uh, Greg Newkirk. Um, I can't remember all the names of the people who are in it. But Hallier, H-E-L-L-I-E-R, you know, uh, East Kentucky. Uh, it's a really cool, really cool show. Okay. Lots of Mothman prophecy esque phenomena in the Hellier series. You know, lots of um, synchronicity. Lots of um, and they did a lot of those things where they have like uh, sensory deprivation. Where they'll have a member of their group uh, doing sensory deprivation and uh, mm -hmm. covering up their eyes and ears and that kind of stuff. The ping um, pong and then other, balls. Other yeah. group will so the other members of the group will ask questions and they'll hear responses and things like that. The, the way you were talking about the Mothman and that, like the way you were describing it, it brought me back to the film Predator. Yeah, that's right. They can cloak like that. Uh, now I've seen yeah. them. I've seen them cloaking like that, where you can still see like a distortion, like a heat yes. distortion mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. But sometimes you can't see them at all. No. And no. that's uh, so. And I'm not sure why sometimes their technology works better than at other times whether sometimes they want you to be able to see them a little bit, so they deliberately do that, or whether it comes down to different kinds of suits and how advanced they are, because um, they, they rely on a lot of our technologies and infrastructure, where a lot of the craft that they build and a lot of the um, 
technology that I have is based on our uh, 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 materials and industry. And, you know, the as Charles Hall writes in his books, um, some of their craft are made out of stuff that you can get off the shelf at our um, hardware stores, you know, um, where they, they don't necessarily always have ultra sophisticated tech. Mm. They, they brought back with them from their other timeline some stuff that's um, grown, uh, like biological craft that's grown in zero-G atmosphere, um, craft that are sentient and almost, well, you'd say they're alive probably. They have some of that in as their fleet, but the majority of their fleet is made up of systems, uh, uh, technology, craft, gadgets and toys that are using their advanced science Mm. to to you know um utilize our technologies to 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 great effect to really dramatic effect far beyond anything we could do with our own technologies mm -hmm. but um so one one of the craft well i've been on a couple of them actually but one of the craft that i was on once had bus seats from our buses in it um, no way and 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 uh and the windows and things like that just looked like there was stuff like like that we'd have on mm. our buses and things and the, and the seats for the pilots look like they were out of our fighter jets. Mm -hmm. So they utilise our infrastructure because they have a limited infrastructure of their own here. Um, and but, but anyway, so I'm getting off the point here. But so some of that might explain why sometimes their technology works better than at other times. Like sometimes their cloaks seem to be able to cloak perfectly. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes mm -hmm. you'll see them and they look more like the Predator. And that might be because they're simply using an inferior costume. It's like it's a glitch, quite... almost like they're glitching. Yeah. You said something very interesting from the other timeline. So, do you believe that we're that we're having two timelines right now? Uh, yeah. Well, I think there's an infinite amount of timelines, but yeah, the way the way that they work is because I'm not sure I'm liking this one. <laughs> okay. I'm I don't think anyone the other is where things are just cheerier and happier. Uh, it's just so dramatic. This one. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think. Well, it's the kind of it's the kind of time. Like you could say that they are time travelers, if what you mean by time travel is more like Rick and Morty. You know, if I can use a pop culture reference, you know, Rick and Morty traveling between different dimensions, different mm -hmm. timelines, different universes. But so what? What they've done, what they, these beings have done, is that they haven't traveled into their own past. They've tra they've gone to another timeline that is identical to the way theirs was many, many tens of thousands of years earlier mm -hmm. to find earlier versions of themselves that are compatible genetically. But they haven't mm -hmm. travelled into their own past and they're not really from our future. So they're really interdimensionals, perhaps right. you could say. It depends on So they're not time travellers in that sense unless that is what you mean by time travel, you know. So really, mm -hmm. it's a really it's about, you know, defining our terms. Like some people might say, well, that's not time travel. So they're interdimensionals. And I'd say, yeah, fair enough. But some people might say, no, okay, that's still a kind of time travel. Maybe that's just the answer to time travel. That's how it's done and still retain the term time travel. Um, I, hey, so, some people have, there are cases of people waking up in their bed and they are in an entirely different timeline. They're dressed in a, you know, in different clothing they're in a different apartment, yet they go to their job. It's a lot of the same people. There's a woman right now who's got an, a reward out. This is what happened to her. She went to her job. Her fiance was missing from her life. It's like he never existed. 
and 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 it was like like there was seven years that she had traveled to she goes and she just woke up that way she went to sleep in one pair of pajamas woke up in a different pair and she's looking around like and she's been trying to get back to her timeline and she's offered a reward to anybody that can get her back to her timeline and that's like i mean what are you travel you're sleeping like what's that about that sounds like a nightmare scenario imagine if that happened to you sounds like an episode of supernatural right yeah (laughs) Yeah. But that's when the, they when they go through the hotel, yeah. this happens. There there are other reports of people who walk out their front door, walk to the backyard, come in the back door, and they're an entirely different. They're like, wait a minute, where am I? That's scary. Yeah, oh my gosh, that is scarier than being on a craft. Kind of, this is the kind yeah. of things that are happening. So, are you just walking? It's you. It's like I say, we have all these different dimensions and levels in, in one space, but we, it's like listening to a radio station. You can only listen to one at a time, you know, unless some of us, we hear all this different clutter, I call it clutter, voices, sounds, things like that, frequencies. Um, but can you imagine you're living it? You just walk out of one room, walk into another one, and it's oh, like, yeah. what the hell just that'd, happened? That'd be, that'd be scary stuff. Sure. That, you'd, lose, you'd very quickly lose any stability, mental stability. I think oh, yeah. Uh, if yeah. you, you weren't sure, you walk out, you walk out, walk out your, your bathroom door and then you, you're in yeah. Egypt or something that, it, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's incredible stuff. Yeah. They're, they're really spooky kinds of, um, stories from people like that. You also hear about sometimes people just appearing, you know, like, um, <laughs> you know, like, like bathrooms being empty, definitely empty. And then people walking out of them and the, you- like, they they just slip through and and yeah, like yeah. time like, slips. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's it's bizarre but interesting. Oh yeah, I'll put this one back up. Um, hold on. There we go. Mm. Oh, you want to get that one? Yes, thank you. Dolly says all time is relative. You are in this third dimensional timeline outside third dimension. No timeline exists. And then right, right. gravity halts your perception of time yeah, well, as it is. Wow. Like, like I was saying before, yeah, that, that's that's cool, Dolly. I, 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 like I was saying before, the, the Mudjina have an idea. Well, they utilize it as well, so it's not just an idea. So mm-hmm. uh, you can say, you know, um, if, if it works and it's practical, maybe they're right, which is it's not just mm-hmm. a philosophy, you know, where they have what they call agaling. Now, I think, uh, which is what translates into English as black star or black sun. The land of the black sun to them is a place where, neither nothing and everything is true there's neither this nor that everything is potential Mm. it's like peridwin's cauldron it's not the actualized world it is the world it's the soup of creation it's neither here nor there something comparable to it might be for, for for star trek nerds you know in star trek generations the movie that had kirk and picard both in it together and there's this ribbon there's this weird phenomenon that's called the ribbon which uh, sort of binds is sort of between worlds and if you go into it you can come back out of it again at any time or any place mm-hmm. it's sort of like that but but it's not but it's imperceptible because once it's perceived once something's perceived it's actualized so this is a realm beyond perception that is neither this nor that and they manipulate it and use it to their advantage to so in, in a sense that is outside timelines it's all timelines and all possible worlds and none and mm-hmm. so because it's not 
binary. It's not this or that. You know, the, the, the real world that's sort of actualized that we know is sort of like a binary world, binary in the sense that it's this and that. You know, like in a binary mm. language, computer pro uh, language, what does one mean? One means not zero. What does zero mean? Zero means not one. So they they, they have a, a definition that is um, in antithesis to each other. Once you've got two ideas like that that are, that are defined in antithesis to each other, you have a, the building blocks of a language and you can create a world, mm -hmm. and an actual language, which is what our world kind of is. But this is a world beyond this or that, beyond ones and zeros. It's, mm -hmm. um, and if you get access to a, that world that they call the black star, there's, there's endless supply of energy. I'm not quite sure in what way this is related to ideas of zero point energy and stuff like that, but some mm -hmm. of our physicists and engineers talk about whether that's comparable, these concepts, yeah. but from their perspective, that's the way they see it. And it's, it's intertwined with their own kind of religious system and spirituality. Mm -hmm. um, but, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. I think it's all fascinating. I think there are people out there who can manipulate all of that, who can easily, um, you know, go back and forth. Um, yeah. And I think once you, you learn how to do that, um, you know, I mean, can you teach it? I don't know. You know, yeah, um, know. some well, people they, tell they, it's like jumping time, right? Jump rooms, things like that. Uh, and the just, use technology, you know, like um, uh, the, the, they use uh, technology to, to, to achieve these kinds of things. I mean, I would not know how, like this is layman stuff for me. I would have no idea how all this works. Mm -hmm. But just the concepts they've talked about and shown me, uh, mm -hmm. in a in a in a vague kind of way of images and abstractions and things like that. But um, mm -hmm. but yeah, mm -hmm. and they're not just doing it with the power of their mind. Well, they are, but it's augmented by sophisticated science. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, hold on, we're going. Uh, okay, more Dolly. Mm, you yeah. can learn it. Yeah in your own use of innate abilities. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we only use a very small fraction of our brains. I think we're, we have the capabilities of doing a lot and we've just been purposely kept subdued because you can't, you know, you can't really subdue super gifted people that can tap into things or that can travel or, or do things you know, that easily. Um, I think this is what some of these government agencies are trying to tap into themselves through gifted people, you know, getting into all these my lab abductions and things like that. Um, That's you know, scary. Yeah, very scary. Um, bingo. Thank you. Jake's about <laughs> Dolly. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I want to just backtrack a little bit to, to uh, a question that we had. Tamara, yes. What do you think of the flying humanoids of Mexico and South America? <clears throat> Excuse uh, me. Sorry to say that I'm ignorant about that kind of thing. I've, oh. I've heard mention of it, but I've never investigated any of that. So Right. You guys okay, know? neither have I. <laughs> no? Yeah. Well, well there, there's you, there's actually a lot of a lot of videos that are coming out, um, and oh. one that I find has been really interesting. And I know Tamara, this is probably something totally different, but have you guys ever seen a video clip on YouTube? And it looks like it is a witch on a freaking broomstick. Mm -hmm. Do you know we had one up just up here in Milton? One of those? No. Yeah, and they're spotted all over the world. Yes, and, and she looks. It looks like a hag, like a witch. <laughs> That's what I thought it was. Room. And yeah. people are just like, 
<laughs> what is this? And they zoom in and you could, she just, she travels like this. Yeah. They like can't explain it. Steady. No, they've tried to take it apart they on um, software yeah. on computer and they can't, <laughs> and they it's have. an original image, but they don't know if somebody's up there propelled on something, yeah, yeah. you know, but they, they don't really know. Doesn't look propelled. I mean, unless you can propel a dang but the, broom. But I don't her, know. her garment is so, hanging that's over. She, that's what it is. A humanoid in ah, Mexico. Okay. It's Thanks, a Tamara. We had one in Milton, Tamara. That's crazy. It was exciting okay. and freaking oh, oh. Milton. That's too close to home. I like it. Is it a drone or a crone? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I do know that they scientifically tried to tear it apart and they couldn't. It was not played with it was not tampered with in any way so it's one of those anomalies video, that we'll never really yeah. know but the people of that town of mexico believe that it was some sort of hag that's yeah, what well, they believe when they're speaking of, that's what they're saying it's kind I of i want to believe if it's true that is so cool you Google that, Google that little clip, Ryan. Like no, you'll, just go just, on, you'll you be know, looking at it going, one what of the places the we're streaming hell? on that just, yeah. you know, seem to get really annoyed with stuff. But uh, see, this is okay. Well, this is what Dolly says. Okay. 70 mm. hologram. Really? That heck? I don't know. She looked, <laughs> she looked real to me. Yeah. Of all the holograms you could have, and that's the one you would choose. That's not the one I would <laughs> pick. Yeah. Like, hmm, like a test image. It's it's yeah. like it's like these glitches in the matrix that you see where you'll see like a plane for a quick moment or a bird stop in dead air. Do we just stop? Yeah. Have you yeah. seen those? Yeah, I have, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's, What's your uh, take on that? I don't know. Glitch in the matrix? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Well, I something going on there, isn't there? Yeah. Bit of a wow. bit of a glitch. The program's yeah. breaking down somewhere. Bit of bad code in the program, yeah. Yes, yeah. It makes you wonder when you see things like that. You're just sort of like, uh, are we in a dang matrix? <laughs> Seriously, well, how because... does it come to a dead stop? That's right. some wicked uh, technology, uh, right? Um, yeah. Tamara says, there is a police officer report from Mexico, an interview on YouTube. Look it up. Yes. There's Not little that, kids yeah. too speaking because I understand uh, Spanish. So when I'm listening to them, I'm laughing because the um, captions don't quite follow the speaking no, right. which is right. very common on youtube anyways um dolly says they are placing tech on ground to use against y'all <laughs> you're that. one of those y'alls we're young y'all i love that <laughs> I, I love that her. that's i that's I one her. thing i loved was the, the southern draw when i was in carolinas <laughs> um yeah. linda dillman says well when you think about it we have the ability to fly but we have to know with our whole being, if we have a spark of doubt, then we can't fly. It's true. I don't know. There I have... off my parents' roof when I was little. And <laughs> there's another clip of a guy walking through a forest with his yeah. dog. Yes. And, and there's a little girl in the yeah. middle of the oh, forest. Yeah. Yeah, right, I've right? seen she's, that. And the mother's looking at her like this, and this girl is just doing this. They realize they're being watched. Yeah. Down and goes. you can clearly like, see what? them oh, panic. Yeah. And they run you can away. You see them yeah, panic. Yeah, yeah they they're do. like, and they're they're gone. They're gone. They don't really run. They kind of just. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's like because there's a little bend in that that park that they're in, and she was up there like a freaking balloon. I know. You think that yeah, there's but, one of those yeah. like those big fans underneath? They're just. Yeah. You know? Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. Like skydiving. Yes. So I, I, I don't know. I have been levitated so not under my own power not, right. you know, not what did that feel like believing. 
That'd be uh, like a superpower, right? Really cool. So there's a few <laughs> times that it's happened. So once I got levitated up over the house and into a craft, right. the next morning our TV antenna was all twisted around um, where the craft had been. Um, another key. time levitated down from a craft upside down straight through the roof of our kitchen like the roof wasn't there like mm -hmm. i'd become intangible mm -hmm. in some way and a two of the mudjana were in the kitchen waiting for me looking up see just like the fourth kind i'm just saying and then, <laughs> and then another time i came back inside and i'd been associating with people people had been there but i felt my memory start to pull away as the memories are sort of being wiped or manipulated but i came into a house at night and there were other people that were mudging with me, but then they started moving away. And I was sort of, I started to feel my mind cloud over slightly, but I thought I'll go and check on my daughter. And I checked on her in bed. She was quite young at the time. And I was checking on her in bed. I just started walking around the house and doing things I'd normally do, um, even though I'd just been taken back from some kind of abduction. Mm. But what, what, what caused the levitation was I was walking around the house and then I looked at my feet and I didn't have my work boots on that are black. I had my wife's that were brown. And I thought my critical mind kicked in. I was like, hold on a sec, I'm wearing the wrong boots. As soon as I thought that, I levitated, got turned onto my side, and they took me back and put me back into bed, and I lay back down. And then I got up again and went to the bathroom in the morning, and I didn't have the boots on anymore. And in the morning when I looked, my wife's boots were neatly next to the door, and my boots were off underneath a couch, off underneath oh. a sofa. So that <laughs> I, th I think what had happened is when they'd taken me, because they can they mesmerize you, manipulate your mind, and they could sort of put you into hypnosis. If when when I'd come outside to go with them in the dark, I'd put on the wrong boots because my boots were off under a couch. So hmm. it wasn't until my critical functioning started kicking in and I started thinking, hold on a sec, this is wrong, my boots are wrong, I'm in the I shouldn't be up in the middle of the night. What is happening to me? They were like, oh, okay, that's enough. We'll just put him back to bed. He's starting <laughs> to be, he's starting to make trouble, you know. But, um, and then another time uh, I got up in the middle of the night and I went out into the lounge room and I could hear something up over the house. And then I started levitating again. Yeah, so the, the levitation, and then there was another time where I'd been talking to a mudgeoner in our kitchen and then started to feel a cloudy sort of nebulous feeling in my head I, I knelt down i crawled out of the kitchen and then i started levitating again um so you when they're taking me or returning me there's this levitation done uh and you just sort of you just start floating like you're in water and, and turning on your side and they move mm -hmm. you around if you're not complying properly or if you're you know becoming mm -hmm. critically minded again but anyway yeah no for sure for sure i uh, would have to do a quick station and sponsor id you like that subtle hint yes 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 do it yes 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 <laughs> <laughs> you are listening to the outer realm with michelle de roche and myself amelia pisano coming to you live from the beautiful city of new orleans on 105.3 fm radio tonight we have back special guests ryan musgrave evans always a pleasure and so easy to listen to stream or listen to our archives and the the platform that you normally use shout out and thank you to the amazing people at Folgers Coffee for fully sponsoring our show from day one we love you and we thank you so much 
also a huge shout out and thank you for our intro and outro from Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon, Justin Snicker, award-winning composer, musician. You can find his music on Amazon and Bandcamp, and you can also find him on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. There we go. Yay. So, uh, hey, Mike. Um, so... Uh, get, uh, Linda, do you want to get that one? Bubbles? Yes, sorry, just caught that. David yeah. Blaine levitates, but I think he tells people they have to believe he is levitating. Interesting. Yeah, huh. I, I do think that we, we have the power to do that. Um, I know Tamara was saying the same thing, that she could see monks, you know, she's watched clips of monks hovering and levitating. Yes. Did you see that? They kind of bounce. Monks are amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, like how much discipline, you know. They do the whole um, double throat thing and the meditative where they, they spend their whole lives meditating. We really don't understand where meditation takes us. As a society, mm -hmm. we're really, I want to say, almost commercial about it, picking up something from YouTube. We don't practice it like they do. Mm -hmm. So we don't really know unless we talk to and mm -hmm. have the honor of speaking with one mm -hmm. um, where they really go. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's incredible. So getting back a little bit to your crypto terrestrials, when you think of, of these beings, they are basically coming in and out of portals. Is this why we just never see them? Um, yeah, well, they do do that, but they can also be invisible um, right. through their technologies. <laughs> they can also, you can also have seen them and they suggest to you, you haven't seen them, you know, like, um, mm do a bit of a Jedi mind trick on you. With their technologies, they can tell you that they look like owls. They can tell you that they look like someone that you know, mm -hmm. or they can tell you you can't see them at all. But sometimes they also have the power in their suits to literally become invisible. So they mm -hmm. have the, they yes. have lots of different tools. Um, if, if you accidentally see one when you're not supposed to, well, you won't, you probably won't remember that. You won't remember that you ever saw them, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, and portals, they do use portals. Now they are usually, um, uh, if, a, if something comes through a portal, there's normally a sound. Well, that's what I've found anyway. There'll be a crack or a click. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then it sounds like static. A, yeah, like a real, and, and mm -hmm. the larger the object, the more, the more um, mass an object has coming through, the louder that will be. So if you hear a real crash, in your house and you think something's broken something's fallen mm -hmm. and there's nothing it, um, it can be like a few individuals coming through or a larger piece of technology a whole craft coming through will usually make a boom like a sonic boom a really loud noise mm -hmm. but it's not a sonic boom i don't know what it is you know That's because their craft, their craft flies <laughs> through the sky several times through the house. <laughs> i yeah. did yeah yeah. It was an ET for me, but no, but here, <laughs> it's yeah, happened to me. Right it's been house. a little bit darker yeah. than yeah, that right, for me. Right. Yeah. 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 And there's another aspect of when they are merely, when they're using a portal, so they're not really present quite, but they're looking through the Agaling, the black star. They're, they're seeing you, but they're somewhere else, and you'll hear a tick. So it almost sounds like a clock, yep. but you can't see it. There's no yeah. um, uh, source. Now, mm -hmm. now, you know, like some countries in the world have insects that make clicking sounds and ticking, mm -hmm. clock-like yeah. sounds anyway. But right. also, so just because you hear that doesn't necessarily mean that's happening. I don't want to make people too paranoid, but um, but it can be, that can be them doing that. Um, and then also there's a, 
sometimes but not always there'll be a smell like sulfur or rotting flesh when objects come through these portals and it's something to do with the effect that this technology has on the atmosphere surrounding the portal and and that smell can stick to them but it's not <laughs> from them it's just the act of going through the portal and it can remain on them for a little while so this is like the old fire and brimstone you know the where sometimes you'll see paranormal creatures and they'll have this smell is uh part of the portal it's a, it's a legacy it's a residue of um this kind yeah. of portal traveling yeah um, like, like, like the demonic theory can i just yeah. sorry um thank you i wanted to ask you this question it just popped into my head right now do you have any understanding as to why they've abducted you uh well i, I don't really know you know like i've asked them this kind of stuff um because they have what I call prophetic technologies. You know, they mm -hmm. they have technological advancements that allow them to peer ahead uh, into possible futures, potential realities, and behave accordingly so that there will be a, a particular outcome that they want that's positive for them. And it can be like long-term, um, you know, the next, over the next few years, maybe even next centuries or whatever. And they're, they're manipulating reality in that sense. And I call it, piloting reality like people pilot a tv series by releasing an episode or when you pilot a research project um where you do a test they can look into the future and decide what course of action to take here then there if that then this then that then this so it's like they're playing a game of chess many 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 moves ahead always um and when they interact with some people and don't interact with other people the reason is not necessarily that clear because that the answer may lie centuries from now so i i mean i don't know you know to, to put a long story short that they are their their, their motivations it's a mysterious to me um i do get along with them uh, i enjoy their sense of humor i'm not frightened um now i don't know whether that's because they've manipulated me to suggest to me not to be frightened mm. i certainly was frightened when i was a little kid sometimes and also just about 10 years ago when a few things were happening i was quite fearful but they rebuked me for that um and they even said that's weak they told me at one stage they said do not be frightened this is weak wow we we, we roll our eyes at you one of them said to me at one stage as well where they 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 appreciate courage now it's a lot to ask a person to be courageous in some of these situations especially when they let their mental manipulation uh, allow it to lax a little bit mm. so if they're controlling your mind and they're making you apathetic so that you're in a situation where you'd normally be frightened or normally thinking it's a strange thing to be hanging out with an eight foot tall blonde dude in your kitchen uh you don't have the normal reaction you're like this is normal after it's finished you go holy that wasn't normal and then a fear response might kick in so sometimes they can manipulate your mind to make you apathetic. But if they start to relinquish that and allow you to get your faculties back and you automatically start responding with fear, that can annoy them sometimes, especially if they've been interacting with you for a long time. Yeah. Um, but they're all individuals and some of them can be more manipulative than others, have you know, uh, senses of humor that are unfortunate. Um, other ones are much more caring nurturing compassionate individuals just like us you know mm -hmm. no it's like every society oh yeah so i'll put that back up for you okay. it's like every society you have your good you have your bad 
Right, um, right. It's the same with them for sure. Yeah. After yeah. I after I read this, I'm going to ask you a question. Thanks, okay, Michelle. Thank you. Dolly says your mind is running. <clears throat> excuse me. Your perception of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, they do rely on your own preconceived notions of what mm -hmm. exists in the world, your own belief system, your own and your own vocabulary yeah. of ideas, and they can hide and play within that. You know, mm -hmm. um, if they choose to. You know. Um, but uh, yeah, so they are reliant. But it, it, taking um, um, from your own mind, um, you know, um, what would be the word I want? Sort of like um, they're getting inspiration from your understanding mm. to mask okay. themselves, to mask mm -hmm. themselves sometimes. So, so they can pretend to be people that you know. To they can even pre pretend yeah. to be people that you've known that are no longer with us. Oh, um, mm -hmm. oh, so you might think you're talking to your, your beloved granny. You know, yeah. you, you wake up in the middle of the night and your granny's at the fridge getting milk and she says, go back to sleep, honey. And you're like, hold on a sec. Granny passed away five years ago. That could very well have been one of them. Um, mm -hmm. Wow. Giving you something, uh, an image of a person that you would find, you know, calming and soothing. Okay. And then you go off back off to bed. And then when your critical, critical faculties kick back in, you go, hold on a sec. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that was a bit wrong, you know, right. but um, yeah. Um, I have a question for you. I'm not, I can't, I can't remember what I ate yesterday. So I don't mm -hmm. remember. I have short-term memory loss, actually. I'm just wondering, is, forgive me if I've asked you this before, have, is anyone in your family, like your parents or siblings or relatives have these experiences the way you have? Um. Well, I'm one of six children, so I've got a, a few siblings. Yeah. Um, only one of my siblings is younger than me. Most of them are a fair bit older. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not quite sure about them, and I have I have talked to them about my experiences, and mm. they haven't said anything. Yeah. Um, but my parents have. Okay. Um, and my yep. dad, when he was a kid, um, saw a tall, dark figure peering in his window at one stage. He remembers seeing. Um, and he also had an experience where he was lying in bed and an invisible person sat on the edge of the bed and leant over to him and giggled into his ear and, um, and he freaked out. Um, and he's also seen UFOs. And my mother used to have experiences sometimes where she'd feel hands on her in the middle of the night and, mm. and people doing things to her feet and stuff like that, like maybe i've had a lot of that kind of stuff as well sometimes you you wake up mid procedure where they're mm -hmm. actually doing something to you um so yeah um that that both of my parents have and also things going missing you know a typical sort of marginal interaction they can be tricksters but they're also curious about our world they'll steal mm -hmm. things but they usually return them mm -hmm. um and so you know book Books going missing. <laughs> Some I've people heard call that. that like gremlin behavior. I've heard that. Yeah. Yes. Yes, gremlins yes. do that. Something going missing and you definitely, it's not there. And then when it's returned, it's put back in a place that you would definitely have seen it. Or it's exactly where it should be or whatever. Or you put um, your clothes kind of on backwards when they bring you back? <laughs> I haven't had that one, but. Yeah. <laughs> uh, question for you. Go ahead, Amelia. Oh, thank you, Michelle. Dolly says, Ryan, how's your ESP ability? Are you wide awake conscious? Well, I don't know necessarily where I begin and they end and vice versa, where mm -hmm. I have had a lot of ESP-like 
um, ability over my life, but I'm not quite sure if it's them telling me stuff. You know, mm -hmm. um, like for instance, um, uh, I've been saved by something at certain stages. A couple of times, probably would have died, um, but I'm not quite sure. Sometimes, if it's me having some kind of precognitive thing or it's assistance, um, but mm. um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I really, I don't know how to answer that. I would have thought when I was younger that yes, I would have definitely said yes to that. I would have said, mm. yeah, I think I've got a bit of precognition. I can sort of, I get these sort of abstract or sometimes visual images in my mind just before things happen of the scene that's about to happen and things like that. Um, like a person that I'm about to see and then I do see them and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But nowadays I'm less sure if that's got anything to do with me. Right. And maybe more right. to do with them guiding mm -hmm. me, interacting with me, communicating, um, mm -hmm. manipulating me sometimes, you know, intrusive thoughts and things like that can sometimes be theirs. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> Sally says, so it's time you develop your ability. Hey, we have another question also. Yes, okay. Linda Dillman says, so when someone is on a ghost hunt, the banging you hear is energy coming through a wall or something solid. I'd like to know who keeps knocking on my door at nighttime. That would require an investigation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think um, yeah. when it comes to the mudgener, they communicate with each other sometimes through knocks, knocking on trees, knocking on walls, where they're, where it's a kind of a code um, so that they don't have to make a sound themselves. They can do this kind of thing sometimes, I think. But, um, it's like projection, like just projecting energy? Like no, no, just, just physically, just just physically knocking on things because they're right there, okay you know, physically does, right, okay. does bigfoot do that or do they respond to it i can't remember oh no they'll treat tap do say that bigfoot they'll treat yeah does that kind of thing yeah yeah i mean okay. uh, this is um but um you know again you know i'll return to being boring a lot of bigfoot interactions with the mudgina like for instance the sierra sounds i think i've talked i think last time i was on i talked about this the sierra sounds that were recorded by um, Al Berry and Ron Moorhead um, in the Sierra Nevada mountain, mountains in the 70s are definitely mudgener, definitely not Bigfoot, they're tall whites. Mm. That's, I've heard them speak in that kind of guttural, it almost sounds like Japanese. That's mm. their natural language. When they're speaking animal sounds, their camouflage languages, they can sound like what I was talking about earlier, dogs, um, you know, uh, bird, mm. monkeys and all this kind of stuff. Now, the Sierra sounds is a mixture of, their natural language and camouflage tongues, camouflage languages, like their own cryptolects. Their code that's just that's just a wonderful recording that was done. Mm -hmm. They they code mix code mixing. You hear them switching between their their natural language. Now I've heard mm -hmm. them speak their natural language and, and switch away from the animal sounds a bit. Um and yeah, it sounds just like that. It sounds just mm -hmm. like that. If, if you didn't know, in fact I thought it was Japanese. In the early days when I used to hear them talking, sometimes when they'd come and they'd be like shadow people moving around and you hear them talking in what I thought was Japanese. I was like, what the fuck? Well, sorry. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, don't worry about it. Fine. Don't okay. worry about it's it. We have, have a, like, we have a delay on FM. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. One, we're okay. The second one, we're about 25,000 US dollars in. <laughs> but one is good. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's just uh, 
and then as I came to realize this was not Japanese, it was something else. Then when Very I stumbled cool. across the um, Sierra Sounds, when I was watching um, uh, the um, David Politis documentary, The Hunted, mm. and, and in that he, he interviews um, Ron Moorhead on site and they're, and they're playing a bit of the Sierra Sounds, I was like, wow, that's definitely them. So, um, so I, you know, I, sometimes some uh, paranormal phenomena that's associated with Sasquatch and is interpreted as being evidence for the existence of Sasquatch right. is actually them, which is not to say that Sasquatch doesn't necessarily exist, but mm -hmm. just certain things that have been uh, placed. Like normally the Sierra Sounds is, sounds is either thought of as being evidence for the existence of Bigfoot. So it's either fake or if it's real, then Bigfoot's real. Well, no, it's mm -hmm. the third one. It's real and it's not Bigfoot. It's these mm -hmm. dudes, you know, so. um. Look, I mean, people are casting, go. you know, footprints and everything when it comes to Bigfoot. Hair samples yeah. are being. That's true as well, yeah. They're so getting more and more. Well, there's also, you know, behaviors like the nests that they make. And they do them in specific mm. ways. Um, right. So, yep. yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. What do you make of that? It's like, yeah, yeah, it's difficult to say, isn't it? And it's so it's interesting that it just seems to be a universal thing as well. It's that so mm -hmm. many different unconnected cultures have 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 these creatures, these large hairy hominids in their folklore. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's quite impressive, you know. But um, mm -hmm. but then again, as well, some of them I think are probably some some manifestations of beings that look like that might be these TLFs I was talking about that have more to do with the crypto terrestrials using some kind of fake tool. In the Colorado in the Colorado ranch case that we were talking about before, not only did the rancher meet two fair beings with big eyes, mm -hmm. but there was a cube on the ground. I left this mm. out before. There was a cube on the ground, and while he's standing there talking to these two entities, a Bigfoot. This is what this is in the uh, um, his testimony anyway. A mm. Bigfoot-like creature wandered out of the trees, went to pick up the cube, and then just fell on the ground, dead maybe or or incapacitated anyway. Wow. And the the and the, the 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 fair beings said to the rancher, "You see, don't touch these cubes; they are lethal." So that expressed to him earlier, "Don't touch these," and it was almost like they used the Bigfoot as an example of what not to do. So now the idea that that Bigfoot was a real creature with a life of its own makes that story seem incredibly cruel. But if the Bigfoot was some kind of biological robot or creation, mm -hmm. right. then it's a different story perhaps. He's just being used as a cautionary um, mm -hmm. tale, you know, uh, what yeah. not to do. But, um, but yeah, that's good. I don't know about whether or not Bigfoot's real... Uh, and uh, yeah. lots of people definitely believe in Bigfoot and, and wholeheartedly and sincerely and genuinely say that mm -hmm. they've seen them and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of people putting a lot of time, money, and energy into trying to figure it For out. Sure. I think there's just so many. Uh, I think it's because it's the one that's that's most often seen. Like, let, let's just go off and talk about lake monsters for now. You know, there's they're all over the world, and mm -hmm. the most famous, of course, is Nessie, the Loch Ness monster. What is your thought on that? Because is that a crypto terrestrial? 
like they've done samples yeah. in the water. They don't think that there's, they, they've done sonar. They've done everything. They don't think that it can sustain a creature that right. big for long periods of time, especially with food or shelter, anything of that nature. Yeah, I don't, you know, beam yeah, me up, so, Scotty, portal. What? What is that? <laughs> like, yeah, why not? Why not well, in if, the water? If it was, if it was some kind of unreal thing like a TLF, like some kind of, you know, um, a yeah. bio, biological creation, mm -hmm. then you would ask the the next question would be why? You know, what would mm -hmm. be the motivation? Uh, but uh, because, you know, when when we're talking about you know giant hominids giant wolves giant dogs um sort of dinosaur-like creatures that are seen at skinwalker ranch and other places you know those things seem to have an impact on people and they seem to scary i suppose you know with mm -hmm. Loch Ness monster people see it off at a distance but it's not necessarily threatening is it i mean maybe, no. there are reports of it breaking boats maybe and things like that as well but um, but it's also one of those areas yeah. that seem to be and, and again, you know, we go back to the Alistair Crowley, who specifically mm. wanted this location because of the fact that, paranormally speaking, it was very active. Same with UFOs, same with cryptids. It apparently was one of those spots that had everything. Right, right. Okay, so <laughs> like a real eerie place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm at a loss for that one. Place, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite beautiful, but it's 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 I don't know. It's just one of those places where you have a good mix of literally everything. So yeah, I yeah, don't know, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But as we're slowly, you know, coming towards the top of the hour, why don't you tell everybody what you have coming up, what you're up to, promote the book, how to find yeah, you? Yeah, cool, cool. Go, thanks. go, go. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, my book, Children of Orion. Finding the Crypto Terrestrials is published by Phil Mantle at Flying Disc Press, and it's on Amazon, um, paperback, hardback, and uh, uh, digital Kindle. Um, and I'm working diligently on the second book, which should be out early next year. Um, and uh, that's going to, well, it has a huge amount of extra cases. Um, I'm building the what I call the CT profile further on, Crypto Terrestrial profile um, compendium of characteristics. Um, through cases to build a bigger and bigger and clearer picture of who these beings are and what they are. Um, and I've got my YouTube channel, with, which is just my name, if people are interested in looking at that as well, Ryan Musgrave Evans. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll very quickly, because you mentioned Alistair yeah, Crowley, I'll just of jump course. off just very, very quickly. That yeah. reminds me, you know, Alistair Crowley, um, infamous occultist. Um, you know, people who are interested in uh, ufology will be aware of him probably because in the ritual he allegedly came into contact and sort of manifested a being and did a, a sketch of it and the being looks a lot like what we'd say a, was a gray nowadays yeah. with a huge head and things like that and people yeah. have made that connection where maybe he had summoned um what we would call an et now or um now that is impressive that one but i've what blew me away was another esotericist Mm -hmm. uh rudolf steiner yes um you know and i used to i used yes. to only know him because i was a school teacher i only really knew rudolf steiner from his um educational theories and curricula and things like that i didn't realize in his later life he had this whole other side to him where he was an occultist and an esotericist and he really came up with 
a religion, his own religion, anthroposophy, which there are a lot of people that still practice it. And he was such a prestigious writer, but he, mm -hmm. he was such a polymath where he was just, just excelled mm -hmm. at so many different things. And he, he did sculptures of what he called Araman or Aramanic beings. Mm -hmm. And I just saw these sculptures, probably the first time I saw it was oh, six months ago, maybe, maybe not quite a year ago, I'm not quite sure. And I was blown away by how similar they are in appearance to the Majina. Now, he was calling them Araman and Aramanic beings, and he did sketches. He also did a sculpture. And mm. what was particularly impressive to me was the hand, the hand of the Aramanic being. Mm -hmm. It's very similar to the hands of the Majina, where they have two fingers to one side and then like a split and two fingers on the other side. And they have prehensile finger, fingers that oppose. They're four, mm. four fingers oppose each other. And then their thumb is vestigial and largely pointless. But um, uh, so I don't know what's going on there. In my opinion, Rudolf Steiner was probably a, an experience, a crypto terrestrial experiencer as well. Um, so mm -hmm. I, uh, I can yeah, see that. Right? Yeah, I can yeah. see that. I, I think people who have really profound um, experiences will, you, you just go on that journey where you want to learn so much more and and you you go both sides of the coin you know like you look at yeah. even christopher lee the actor who's who passed like ages ago a lot of people don't realize they look at him as this amazing actor uh, he was a musician he had a large library and an occultist yeah right, right? <laughs> like people like what yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know he just had this like amazing persona but he was just really there are people who look at where the occult and they off the right off the bat, like, Oh, you know, your practitioners of all the evil stuff. It's like, no, no, no. It's, it's an ancient yeah, knowledge. You know, it really yeah. is. It's, it's people have just, we're, 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 we're just such tunnel vision, you know, yeah. in this day and yeah, age, we have right. tunnel vision. We don't really, we don't really look at everything and we surely don't research the origins because we would not be looking and saying some of the things that we do if we did that's true for sure you know for sure. but thank you so much for coming on <laughs> we always just yeah. so enjoy having you on you're a lot thank of fun you, you know you're a lot yeah, it's of knowledge. Such, such great fun thanks guys oh you oh. can tell you're yeah. a natural born teacher because mm -hmm. when you speak you captivate us like you just draw us oh, right in nice. i could listen <laughs> to you for hours thank you Oh, thanks so much. That's a nice compliment. But um, yeah, no, I I miss you guys. You know, oh, we don't see each other you. enough. Yeah, we'll have <laughs> to do it again. We'll do it again. Maybe maybe touch on Alistair Crowley a little bit. There we go. <laughs> that would be very cool. Yeah, We're talking yeah. about some of the esotericists, Blavatsky, mm -hmm. uh, Steiner. Yeah, I, I think that that paves the way for something entirely different. Just send me some Thank info you, and yep. and give me something yeah, cool. to 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 build on, and we'll we'll um we'll look at it, and we'll we'll definitely do this again. I love it. So yeah. I will email Adriana, you, Adriana. Very cool. Learned Thanks a lot. So me too, Adriana. Me too. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I always do. <laughs> Ken Kieser says, "Enjoyed the show." Thanks, Ryan. Thanks Have so a good much. day and stay out of the cold. That's right. <laughs> I will. Thank you. Right. Bye, everyone. Good night. Night. good night. Good night. Well, we've come to the end of another fantastic segment. It's always fantastic when Ryan is on the show with us. He's just a lot of fun. He's so easy to listen to. 
lots of knowledge and really digs deep, you know? Mm. So thank you. Big thank you to Ryan for joining us. Thank you to Folgers Coffee as always for being, you know, best sponsor ever. And big thank you to Dr. Snick for your voice, your music. We love you and we appreciate you guys so much. So remember, stop by all of our YouTube channels, International Public Radio, UFO Paranormal Radio, uh, UFO Gods, Extraterrestrials, and go, you know, check us out too at the Outer Realm. And um, if you like the content, please subscribe. We really appreciate it. We appreciate the, you know, the support and uh, we appreciate all of you uh, hanging with us each and every week. Uh, tomorrow is going to be a lot of fun, actually, because we are doing, uh, back by popular demand, just saying, we're doing another roundtable conversation because freaking heck, we've got things to freaking talk about. <gasps> Let me tell you Boy, what. do we ever. Say you don't want to miss it because I right. got smoke coming out of my ears. Just <laughs> yeah. saying. Oh, my God. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. And, um, <laughs> of course, chat room is going to be open and we're going to have a full-on discussion. So um, make sure that you, you are joining us. You don't want to miss it. So have yourselves all a great evening. We'll see you tomorrow night. Good night.